Our sermon text for today is from Mark, the 10th chapter. From the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And they're no longer two, but one flesh. What, therefore, God has joined together, let no man separate. Your friends of Christ, you know, I'm using a sermon again, uh, and I, I wrote a sermon on marriage, I think it was back in June, and I used three chords, talking about the intertwining, how marriage is patterned after God. Um, this marriage is different, and I know that when we get on the topic of marriage, because last time I did it, I had people say, Pastor, it was a good sermon, but, you know, I'm no longer married, and I understand that there are those of you who aren't married anymore, and, and those of you who were never married. Married isn't, marriage doesn't last forever, and marriage isn't for everyone. Um, and yet still, uh, we have a lot of people in our congregation that have been married quite a while. And, you know, 40, 50 years, 60 years. Uh, some of you have been married 70 years. And if you've been married, uh, congratulations to you. It's a great accomplishment uh, because marriage is not easy. Now, well, let's just start there. Marriage isn't an easy institution. And whether you've been married 40 years, 10 years, 3 years, 5 years, or 70 years, it doesn't matter. Understand this. God joined you together. God joined you together. Now, I know you did the wooing. You did the vowing. You did all the relationship building. You're the one who went and purchased the rings and, and you did the dating and, and you did all that kind of stuff. You even prepared for your, your wedding. You called the photographer, you, called the, the, you had the cake, uh, the honeymoon, the, uh, the reception, the rehearsal. Uh, you got the tux and the wedding dress and the church and the pastor. You, you got it all that. You, you lined all that up. Indeed, that's what you did. But God joined you together. We tend to forget that as we look at our spouse. God joined you together. It's intentional. And so with that truth and reality, I consider my theme for this morning, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God joins husband and wife in a unique relationship called one body. It's a one-body relationship, for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, sickness and health, until death parts you. And in with and under the courtship and the dating, in with and under the marriagement, uh, the engagement and the wedding, God has been at work. He's bringing you together, binding you as one. And God has established that relationship in that marriage to reflect Him. And I'm not going to go into that because I did that in my sermon in June. If you want to go back and listen to that, go back and listen to that one. But God's fingerprint is indelibly etched on this relationship between you and your spouse. His fingerprint's all over it. It's the way God wanted it. It's the way He created it. His fingerprint defines your marriage, who you are, together as a couple. Truly, marriage is a match made in heaven. And you say, but my marriage isn't a match made in heaven. Well, 
Maybe you feel like it's not. But give God the credit, give God the credit to at least, in the very least, take him at his word. The two are one. It's a match made in heaven. And Jesus describes marriage this way. He says, what God has joined together. Now those words are true of every marriage. Doesn't matter how good the marriage is or how bad the marriage is, how compatible they are, how incompatible they are, the two are one. It's a work of God. Marriage is of God, not of you choosing the other. Now we get to thinking, yeah, but I chose you. No, it's a miracle. And, and it's a work of God. We at least need to realize that marriage, and, and, and specifically, we need to realize, or you need to realize, that your marriage is holy. Holy. Set apart to God. Your marriage matters to God. God is using your marriage to change the family around you. He's using your marriage to change you. He's using your marriage to change the people around you, your society. Marriage is the foundation of our life together. Family, marriage, husband, wife, one flesh. And that's why when marriage gets rough, when the waters get rough, when things get tough, and they will and they do in marriage, God wants us to work things out with each other in a godly way. Not so easy, but the storms of life are going to be there. But God wants the storms to become peaceful. However, couples who live in conflict, constantly bickering, constantly fighting, constantly tearing each other down, not only live in sin as they hurt each other continually, but they get to feeling isolated. Couples who live in conflict feel alone. They feel separated, though they're, not, though they're bound. But they're neither alone, nor are they separated. Because what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, as we consider marriage, let me, let me start here. As we consider marriage, in the whole topic, there are many challenges. Marriage is challenging. And marriage is challenging because, again, a good portion of you here aren't married, so it's a topic that as soon as we bring it up, uh, a portion, say, it doesn't even apply to me, let's not even talk about it, it's, but it's, it's, it's God's gift to all of us. Marriage is God's gift to society. And while marriage isn't for everyone, some people choose not to get married and that's not a bad thing. Marriage is God's given glue for families, for society, for relationships. It holds things together. And another challenging thing about marriage is the topic of marital faithfulness or infidelity. Adultery and divorce are marital negatives, and we don't like talking about the negatives of things, whether it be my sin or the brokenness of the world around me or the brokenness of marriage. And divorce 
challenges God's one body, one flesh paradigm, reality. You may be one body, one flesh, but let's get the knife out. Let's get the saw out. Let's do some cutting. Let's do some dividing. Let's do some separating. We're done. Now, I'm not here to increase the guilt. And I know you do a sermon like this, and if you're divorced, you're already feeling levels of guilt start to increase. I'm not here to increase the guilt of those who are already feeling guilty. Despite your sin, you've been redeemed by the blood of the Christ crucified. You understand that? I am not here either to make complacent those who are, who are comfortable. But I do want to speak God's truth and love because if you're not going to hear the truth about marriage from here, you're not going to hear it from anywhere else because nobody's saying these things. You won't hear it anywhere else in the world. And so back to our text. Jesus didn't bring up the topic of marriage and divorce. The Pharisees the, 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 uh, the did. They're trying to trap him. And so, it was a gotcha question. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And no matter what Jesus answers, somebody's going to get offended. You know, one of those things. Do you wear a mask or do you not wear a mask? Do you have a COVID shot or do you not wear, have a COVID shot? You know, one of those, as soon as you answer it, you're in trouble. Right? Somebody's going to be offended. Because... Back in those days, you had the conservative pastors and you had the liberal pastors. You had the conservative rabbis and the liberal rabbis, just like we do today. The conservative rabbis held to the Bible. Divorce is always wrong, except for infidelity and unfaithfulness. And then you had the the liberal rabbis. Well, you could get divorced your spouse for anything. You know, if your wife decided to burn the roast beef, well, my heavens, what are you hanging around for? You know. Burning roast beef for crying out loud. Let's let, you know, I think you need to move on. Even the slightest shortcoming. And, and, and so they ask you, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Well, Jesus answered that question by taking us back to the establishment of marriage in Genesis chapter 2, where God created marriage. He created Adam and, and took Eve from his side and said, it's not good that a man should be alone. I'll create a helper for him. God gifted Adam with marriage. God made Eve from his side. And God gifted Adam. You remember Adam's response when he finally saw the bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh? He says, at last, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. I've been naming animals all day, a pink one and a blue one, all day long. They've been marching in front of me, a pink bird, blue bird, pink dog, blue dog. There's a blue man, but there's no pink one. I feel kind of alone. Finally, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she's taken from a man. God's giving. Marriage is God's giving. And marriage is man's receiving. It's the basis of marriage. Now, Jesus then summed up. All what marriage is, therefore a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. And then Jesus added, what I have put together, what God has put together, nobody, nobody can separate it. No man, no human being can separate what I made one. 
You can try, you can do it all you, what you want, but it's a reality to people come together sexually, claim themselves to be husband and wife, and they're bound. Even when they come together sexually, they bind themselves together in that way, in the bond of marriage, in God's perspective. Unfortunately, very few people on earth believe these words of Jesus. That if you bind yourself in any type of way sexually to somebody else, that you're bound to them like husband and wife. Very few people believe that. People believe that once we are bound together, and once I do make the commitment, and I do say I do, and we, we say that we're married, very few people believe that we can't separate it. We can separate marriage. This is not a lifelong union. I can do what I want to do. I can reject what God has given. I can reject the one body, one flesh paradigm. I can reject the scriptural language. I can redefine marriage. I can change marriage. I can do what I want to do. And I can make marriage fit our cultural needs. And yet we can. We can do anything we want. We can. We can do anything we want, but it doesn't change the truth. Jesus said, husbands and wives, male and female, in this union are no longer two, but one. One body, one flesh. That's more than just a figure of speech. That's reality. Now, you may not realize it, but there's a close communion that happens here. A close communion between the male and the female. A binding that happens that God sees. So marriage is not two individuals that come together and stay individuals. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not just individual, independent of each other. In God's eyes, no longer independent. We're not even two people. We are one flesh. One flesh union. How does that happen? Well, of course, it's a mystery. I don't see it. I don't perceive it. You don't see it. You don't perceive it, which is why so many people reject it, that a male and female joined together in the bond of marriage are one physically, they're one spiritually, they're one in reality. And this communion of husband and wife is a close communion. This communion of husband and wife, this binding together is a close communion. Anybody who tries to separate it is against God. Anyone who tries to tear it apart is against God. Anybody who tries to come into that relationship and and bring uh, an uh, adulterous situation into that relationship is against God, is against the union, is against the binding. Anyone who tries to separate what God has joined together will be held accountable by God. The biblical phrase, one body, one flesh, reveals another truth about marriage, that marriage is, and, 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 and sex, sexual relationships, is only proper in the, bind, the, bind, the bounds of marriage. Only sexual love can be expressed in that unity. 
Only within marriage can two people, like Adam and Eve, stand before each other naked and unashamed. Any sexual relationship between people otherwise, people who are not married, is against this one flesh, one body union. It's destructive, it's harmful, and it's sinful. So, sex outside of marriage separates sex from marriage. Sex outside of marriage separates sex from marriage. Makes it nothing. People who have sex for fun separate what God has joined together. Couples who live together before marriage separate what God has joined together. And in this union that they proclaim to have, we're together but we're not married. They live in the benefits and blessings of marriage, but they dishonor marriage. And by the way, God's truth about living together, sexual and adultery, it's not just for teenagers. It's for senior, senior citizens too. You need to hear that. No one gets a pass. Anyone who challenges this, anyone who practices sin outside of marriage, separates what God has joined together. And, and the Lord's truth about marriage has no loopholes, it has no exemptions, it has no uh, buts or uh, you know, no exclusions, no exceptions to the rule. The truth about God's marriage condemns us all, really. Why? Because, well, we've all desecrated the, the holy bond of marriage. You say, how have we done it? Well, in our words, and our thoughts, and our actions by how we treat marriage. The Bible says we've all committed adultery in our hearts and minds. Not only are we impure in our thought, word, and deed, we're impure with how we treat each other. The one body union, how we abuse the other half of our body. Mentally and physically and spiritually. Husbands and wives are constantly sinning against each other. Constantly dividing what God has so faithfully joined together. It's what we do. Now, we can deny all that and say, no, no, that's not what I do. That's not how I do it. We can claim false innocence. We can claim that we, we don't know. I didn't know any better. We, we can claim that it's not my fault. We can claim somebody else is doing it. We can claim it's our other spouse's fault. We can deceive ourselves that way. Or we can confess to God. Just simply come clean and confess to God what we are so that we can receive His free and full forgiveness. Confess what we are and, and how we live. And then as God's forgiven children, let the Holy Spirit work in this union. As God's forgiven children, let the Holy Spirit then work in me as a husband. And let the Holy Spirit then work in you as a wife. The Holy Spirit works that we might do what pleases Him and serve our spouse in faithfulness. And we can choose then, once forgiven, to start making changes that might hopefully make our marriage better. 
make our marriage work. However, in order to do that successfully, we really need God's help. In order to do that successfully, it all begins with forgiveness. It all begins with God binding Himself to us. It all begins to God's, with God's forgiveness. Uh, and we need God's forgiveness. But understand this. God's forgiveness never gives us permission to continue in our rebellious sin. You know, God has met, patterned His relationship, our relationship with Him in marriage. And the Bible says that Jesus is the groom, and of course, then you're the beautiful bride of Christ. You're beautiful. You're the beautiful bride of Christ. I just went to a conference and seminary talking about beauty and ugliness. Sin is ugly. The devil is ugly. Broken marriage is ugly. But what God joined together is beautiful. And He's joined you to Himself. So you may feel kind of ugly in your marriage. You may feel kind of ugly before God. Let me assure you, you are not. You are the bride of Christ. He's adorned you with His blood. He's washed you. He's forgiven you. He's equipped you. He's done all that He can to help you so that you in your relationship can learn to help and forgive each other. And so we receive that forgiveness because God could have treated us differently when we fell into sin, committed adultery, worshipped other gods, were unfaithful in that, in that marriage union of being the bride of Christ. He could have kicked us out of the household. He could have kicked us out of the bed. <laughs> Done with you, but he didn't. One body, one flesh. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, Jesus held to that, his bride. And then he bore our iniquities. He bore our adulteries. He bore our offenses. Because a relationship is so very important, you see. The one body, one flesh union. And he joined that one body, one flesh union as he took his body to the cross. And then he made his body one with you. That's what Holy Communion is about. You're going to receive his body and blood. Why? Because you are in a one flesh, one body union with God. Take his body, take his blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You're the bride. He's the groom. Bound together as one for all eternity. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And I need that. I need to know that my groom will never give up on me. Because I'm unfaithful. He never is. But I am. And I need that strength to know he's there with me. However, as sinners try to destroy this one body, one flesh union, indeed in our sin, we try to destroy what God has joined together. But Jesus takes that sin that separates us and He binds it to His cross and Jesus washes you with a splash of baptism. Husbands and wives, God has made you one with each other. God doesn't make mistakes. Now, that doesn't mean that your spouse is going to be your best friend. But it doesn't even mean that you may like your spouse. It doesn't even mean that your spouse will always make you happy. However, it does mean that we're all sinners, we're struggling sinners, cleansed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. 
And it does mean that if you confess your sins, all sinners stand before God seeking His ever-present help and will receive it. So with all the difficulties, all the challenges of marriage, are you willing to look for help? With all the challenges and difficulties of marriage, are you willing to receive the Lord's help? Listen, it's not just a matter of marriage is good and divorce is bad. It's a matter of marriage is holy. And the fact that we keep it holy. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. Amen.